and, the, and I tell you that the feeling that you get when you put the Lions jersey on is just bloody magical. You know, it's just the most special, just the most special thing. But also, I think particularly from a forwards point of view, because play a test match against the Springboks in South Africa, and I'll tell you whether you were tough or not, because you will not come up against a more physical, intimidating group or game or any, anywhere in the world. All Blacks, even, even France in, in, in Paris, probably mm. might come close sometimes. Stop it, man. You're giving me goosebumps, man. I'm yeah. getting all emotional. <laughs> wow. Oh, man, I just had a... Oh, the first time I got goosebumps on my head. Welcome to my podcast, Coach G, transforming athletes and purpose-driven people. The goal of my show is to inspire rugby players, athletes, and everyday people so that you can chase your goals, overcome those obstacles, turn your vision into a reality. I'll be inviting unbelievable guests in the world of sports as well as the corporate space, sharing their tools and their knowledge on performance, mindset, mental resilience, and entrepreneurship. I am your host, Coach G. Gertrude Stienkamp. I'm a former international rugby player and World Cup winner with South Africa in 2007. I've been retired since 2017 from the game of rugby, and today I'm a professional rugby and scrum coach. I am passionate about helping rugby players improve their performance on the rugby field as well as front row rugby players to dominate the scrum. Another passion of mine is to help people develop mental resilience so that they can transform physically, mentally and emotionally. And every single week I'll be launching two new episodes. On Tuesday it will be a Q&A interview with an unbelievable athlete or a specialist in the corporate world and on Fridays it will be my solo episode where I'll be sharing my knowledge and experience in elite sports but also life in general. Welcome to episode 7, The Raging Bull on my podcast, Coach G, Transforming Athletes and Purpose-Driven People and today's guest is former international rugby player, World Cup winning champion in 2003, former England captain, former British and Irish Lions rugby player and Master Chef champion in the UK. He is none other than Phil Vickery. And in this episode, we had good laughs and we spoke about his journey as a rugby player and how he has used the mindset of a rugby player in business. But also we talk about his experiences growing up on the farm and his passion for cooking. And yes, you all see him prepare his sourdough on social media. So if you're a young rugby player or a young entrepreneur, you should be tuning in and making lots of notes. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. So welcome to my podcast, Coach G. And I'm super excited about today's chat with this legend, even though he's from <laughs> England, Paul Vickery. How's it, brother? Get in touch. How are you doing, my man? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. You okay? No, I'm good. I'm good. So everyone listening today, you know, we've got a World Cup winner, legend, played so many test matches for England rugby as well. And uh, 
British and Irish Lions. You know, um, so quick, uh, just touching base, um, Phil, how's things been going? How's things in the UK? Yeah, no, we're good. I mean, you know, listen, the, the, the world has changed beyond all recognition, hasn't it, in the last 18 months? Um, you know, it's just crazy times, um, crazy times for family, uh, being at home a lot more, actually reminding me of perhaps what it was like being a pro rugby player, being at home so much. <laughs> go to work quite as much but it's been it's been interesting but you know with like comes the challenges and challenges and um, challenges in life challenges with businesses um, you know the things that I'm involved in uh, but I but I on a plus side um, uh, for those the girls and boys that, that don't know that are listening to this I, I, I actually have all the businesses to be involved in so I started my own clothing brand so we retail on the high street and uh, our own standalone stores and online. So the pandemic's not been brilliant for that. Yeah. But then to but then to top it all off, well, and also myself through um, I, I do events as far as corporate events, but you know, talking, speaking, but basically people getting together. So that's completely shut down the last eighteen months. <laughs> and then to top it all off, I in two thousand nineteen I announced I was going to open a restaurant last year. And we were supposed to open in April. So, oh. and, and in March, the whole of the UK shut down. So it's kind of, it's been, uh, it's been challenging. But, but, but at the same time, if we're being, you know, being serious for a second, it, what this pandemic and certainly what the last uh, 18 months has done for me in the world, and I know we have conversations outside of what we're talking about now, but it's brought to the surface things which are really important to me. And I think, you know, growing up on a, on a small family farm right down the southwest tip of the UK, down in Cornwall, where family, uh, sense of pride, uh, being passionate, caring, looking after your neighbours, looking after friends. And I think to myself, why, you know, why did I start playing rugby? What was, the, what was my drive and passion for, for, for rugby? It was about being around my friends. It was about having a sense of purpose. It was, I can, I can run around and be a thug and not be yeah. told off for it. I, mean, <laughs> I, I fell in love. So, so all those things here, certainly in the UK, have come to the surface again, thinking about our friends, thinking about our families, actually valuing time with each other and appreciating each other for perhaps that sometimes things that you take for granted thinking about where you eat and the kind of things you're eating thinking about well-being and mental health and just things which uh, as a child growing up on a farm like my granddad I can hear him say no we had our own gardens and just him teaching me about the plants and the flowers and the birds and I know it sounds very uh, a bit maybe a bit out there for some people but all those things are really important to me and still are today. Like now I can look out the window and I can see the swallows flying around. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember, I remember like yesterday, my granddad talking about how the swallows, you know, their migration from South Africa, come all the way up across Africa, come across the Sahara Desert, to come to the UK to, 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 to have their chicks, to rear their young, then to go all the way back. So look after them and, and even just... Those things are really, I know that's quite a deep thing to be talking about, but 
those things and what this last year has done, regardless of business and wealth and cars and houses and how much you earn, and actually have fallen into insignificance more than ever just because of actually what is really important in life. And I know we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago and even just talking to people and, and just knowing that someone's there to, 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 to speak to. I had a conversation this morning with a, with a, a really close friend of mine and uh, we didn't really talk about anything. We kind of just chatted as blokes do. And then, <laughs> but, I, but, I, but I felt so much better afterwards. Yeah. And, and I think, and I think this whole bit, you know, that side of things is really, you know, I've really enjoyed that process. And I've enjoyed that experience. And like today, just talking and chatting with you, you know, that, as I've said to you before, it's for the, for the girls and boys listening, I, I said about Coach G, just watching what he's doing and watching the, the progression and seeing whether we're talking about scrum coaching or talking about setting goals or just, you, you know, your thoughts or his thoughts it's 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 inspiring and it's kind of it triggers ideas it triggers emotions and actually what can i do is what, what, what kind of things am i looking at and i think the more we have of that the better people the better environments we're going to create and, and for sure you know i'm all about wanting to create better things whether we're talking about rugby business life families fatherhood or whatever, whatever it is no, it's so true. You know, it's been a really, there's been a challenging year, but I think we've discovered so much of ourselves. You know, I wasn't always someone that was comfortable, you know, doing these live things on Instagram. A lot of people think I spend ages on Instagram, but I don't, you know, but getting comfortable, realizing that people needed some form of inspiration. People needed to um, stay sane. I, I discovered another side of myself. And, you know, you're talking about your business. I was in a similar boat, you know, I was, I've been working hard getting Zoo into the corporate space here in France. And we got out like eight, eight gigs planned up, lined up for April. And then yeah. boom, <laughs> gone. <laughs> I had scrum workshops all over Europe, in the Netherlands, <laughs> Belgium, Germany, all booked, boom, gone. <laughs> and, and I was like, what now? So obviously I, I do run my own business full. All right. So I don't, I'm not a, don't have a salary or anything like that. And my main income was scrum coaching and uh, it was speaking in the corporate space. And, you know, I found like, what the heck do I do now? <laughs> and, you know, it's like you need to feed your family, you know, um, you need to look after them. And it was just an amazing time because it forced me to upskill myself, to evolve as a human being. I lost weight. All right. I lost like over 10 kgs started getting stuck into my training and having specific routines. And while everything was falling apart, even though I was stuck at home, I didn't feel it because I know I was going somewhere. I, need, I needed to adapt. And what I like what you mentioned, you said, you know, just appreciating the small things, just going outside, just feeling the sun on your face. You know, we couldn't go out. We were fortunate enough. We got a pool here at home. So the kids last summer, they were just spinning in the pool. We can't go anywhere. Couldn't go to the beach or anything like that. But just enjoying each, each other's company. And, and let's not be wrong. Sometimes the missus can get on the nerves a bit. And I'm sure I did vice versa the same. But, you know, it really tests you. And you really realize how much you're capable of absorbing 
the amount of pressure. I think sometimes we sell ourselves short as human beings and we just think, uh, you know what, oh, it's too hard, it's too tough, I can't do this. And now we found ourselves in a position, you were forced to, you were forced to do these things. I think, but it's, in, but it's interesting you say that, Gaffer. It's like, it's, it's being outside of your comfort zone, isn't it? So we all, we always all edge towards what we're comfortable with. And that's, I don't mean comfortable as in being lazy, but what we know. And if you, you tend to hang around things that you know, because you know how to control them. And I think what you're talking about there is, is a wonderful skill that you've been able to, by default, take from being a pro sportsman and, and from, from being an athlete into real world, right? Being disciplined and having routine is, is, is really, really important. And, and that's certainly coming from the professional world. But to, to give you an experience of, of where I've been able to use my sporting experience, because I'm, you know, I'm a farmer's son. I didn't really, I didn't have, you know, as far as education and uh, learning as a, as, a, as a young man in my teenagers, I, I didn't really, I just left school when I was 15 and I, I just went home to work on the family farm and I, because that's just what I wanted to do. But I think to, to give you an idea, we talk about small things and it's not me trying to be corporate here. It's just me trying to hopefully get across to, to, to girls and boys about mindsets and, and, and how, the, how, how it kind of things work for me. You know, farming is very relentless. You have to repeat the same things over and over and over again, daily routine, cows need to be milked, bedded, everything is, and it doesn't matter, wind, rain, ice, snow has to be done. Moving into the professional sporting world, it's everyone sees the 2% on a Saturday afternoon with the crowd in the stadium and it's all amazing. And it is amazing, but 98% of it is gym, recovery, ice baths, pushing, push, get better, reset, go again, tearing up muscle, rebuild, getting stronger repeating your sets, repeating your drills, looking, improving constantly, but the actual game bit is the easy bit. That's the fun bit, but the hard work that goes into it, which is fine. But then where I've been able to use that coming out of, of, of that world, if I use an example of, uh, I haven't got my MasterChef trophy here because actually it's at the, rest, at the restaurant, but MasterChef, kitchen, cooking, Phil, cooking, you know, what? what? <laughs> well, it, I've always enjoyed cooking and I love food. I'm, you know, I'm a farmer, I, you know, I love food. But it was amazing when, particularly when you get into professional kitchens on the show or when you're under pressure, you straight away, my brain says, this is how crazy, you know, some people say, oh, some people say I'm mental or crazy mental. <laughs> my wife would agree with you. But what happened to me then is you revert to what it is you've learned. So it's like process, processes. What is it I said I would do? This is the plan. This is how I've, I've devised my plan to create my dish in one hour, 20 minutes. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I've committed to. And then almost like military precision in, in, in the kitchen, I would get it done focus 100% on what it is I'm doing and execute and execute and execute. And I found it fascinating being in the professional kitchen because the, 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 the realization when you're in kitchen, I remember one, one kitchen particularly, it was Bebendum with Matthew Harris in London because uh, that was somewhere I really enjoyed and liked his, his thoughts on food. 
I remember being next to the guy doing guinea fowl. I was doing fish. I can't remember what the other guy was doing. But the point is, it, we were all reliant on each other because he needed to go, when the check came in, he needed to go on eight minutes. I needed to go on four minutes. <laughs> I needed to go on two minutes. And if, if you got it wrong, you can't start again. Yeah. And I was amazed at how many of the other girls and boys couldn't deal with that kind of pressure. Whereas when you've been involved in pro sport, when you know you're in that scrummage or you're set for a scrum and I'm looking across at you who who would be a meter away looking into your eyes and you knowing I'm looking at you and you're looking at me I know you wanted to eat me and you know I wanted to eat you (laughs) but but knowing that you've got to deliver it's amazing that and I I really enjoyed that experience of being involved in that high pressure and actually it brought so many emotions of rugby back because of that. I'm reliant on people around me. We need to do our job. We need to execute. Because the interesting thing about rugby, it was always a team sport and it's team. And 100% it's a team sport. But goodness me, when I took the rugby field, I'm doing my job. And yes, you're my teammate and I love you dearly. And I will, <laughs> fight, I will fight for you. Do your job. Yeah. I'll do my job. You do your job. And if you have 15 people or 15 <laughs> athletes all doing their job, it creates a fantastic team. But don't make the mistake of thinking just because you're part of team, everything's going to work. Do your job. And, and, and it's interesting. Uh, and it raises my I can feel my heart yeah. beating because it really, I find that so interesting that so many girls and boys from the celebrity world couldn't deal with that. And it's not to say that I was better or, or I don't mean mm-hmm. that. It's just, well, I think we underestimate sometimes actually just the environment that we were in. Yeah. And, and, and actually the skills, forget the sporting side of it, but the actual skills within what it is we did, how we can use that in our daily routine life. Kids, yeah. Like my kids, I've got a, a son and daughter, a 15 and a, and a 13 year old. They they go on at me all the time because I'm always, you know, put things back, everything in its place. <laughs> Get, are, you, are you hydrated? Have you had food? How can you compete if you don't eat well, sleep well, rest, recovery? Have you stretched? Have you, I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm no like, I'm not a fun police or anything, but it's just, yeah. it's about, I, I always say to people, it, it to, to bring it back to things that we know, uh, how often do you as a coach or you as a, 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 a coach G go to someone and someone say, what can you do for me? And I always say to people, straight whether I'm talking in the corporate world or talking to the CEOs or MDs or even this morning being in restaurants, seeing the girls and boys working in there, actually, what are you doing? What, what, what are you doing to help yourself? Because... I think it's such an important thing and coming, having it that sporting background. I've had loads of people who've helped me in business, in life. And I know they've helped me, not because Phil Vickery, MasterChef, MBE, mm. World Cup, uh, England captain, British and Irish Lion. Of course, that, all that thing helps. They've helped me because I, I think I'm not, I'm not perfect, but I'm a decent bloke. But they've helped me because I've, they've seen someone wanting to help themselves. Yeah. 
you know, and, 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 I, and I truly believe that if you, if you are seen to be putting your best foot forward and forget this bloody being perfect, absolutely yeah. rubbish. It's about being the best you. And uh, it, uh, that I think is as relevant and more relevant. If I had to teach or talk to anyone, like I'd say to my kids now, when, when we look at these things and they're brilliant bits of equipment, yeah. So, so you touched on it earlier on. I watched what you do with things you do. It's authentic. Hmm. It's you. It's real. It's powerful. It's not perfect. Yeah. It's not beautifully choreographed. The, the sound's not brilliant. The camera work's <laughs> not brilliant. But it's you. It's yeah. real. You've done. You're doing. And funnily enough, I, I get in trouble a little bit sometimes. I've got a bit of bread. Because I, I make me sourdough a lot. Yeah, I've noticed that I actually need a recipe for it, man. <laughs> but I get in trouble from, from bakers sometimes because some of the things I do aren't technically yeah. aren't, aren't correct. Now, the important bit to remember with all that is it's not about necessarily being technically correct. The fact is, you're doing it. And I, I did a thing about so a few months ago back and a, and a good friend of mine who's a Michelin star chef said, Phil, don't worry about not doing it correctly because you're doing it. You're, you're doing it. And people love that. And you're, you'll inspire people to want to do it. And it's, a, it's the same as what you do. I could argue some of your coaching techniques. Do I necessarily mm. agree with some of them? There's always something I, think, oh, I wouldn't perhaps do it. But that's not the point. Yeah. Coach G, you're blimmin' doing it and you're coaching what you believe is right, the same as I try and practice and talk about what I believe is right. I'm not saying it's it's all right, I'm not saying it's perfect, but stop this bloody obsession with wanting to be perfect because it's not a perfect life, it's not a perfect picture, everything's on a perfect journey because everything's per rubbish, girls and boys. Wake up, <laughs> it's real life. Is celebrate, you know, celebrate not being perfect. Yeah, you know, you, you're touching there. I was like, you're talking about being authentic. That's so important. You know, everybody's so focused on being Instagram worthy. And I, I tell people why I'm on social media. It's like, I'm not trying to create the awareness or get that fear that people around me like I was an athlete getting that hyper. I'm, that's what I'm, I'm just trying to inspire people. I'm just like you're doing with your cooking, you know, when I'm seeing you yeah. prepping your dough and th that's inspirational because we could see that that is something out of your comfort zone as a rugby player, even though it's your passion and you have a skill set, but it's showing another side of you because easily people are like, what the heck is Phil doing? Cooking sourdough. Yeah. That's crazy. But who cares? That's you. That's who you are. Yeah. And, and for me, that's awesome because I, I check your posts on a regular basis because what you're doing is you're showing, you know, I was a rugby player. I was a World Cup winner. I won, but I won MasterChef. You know, I'm passionate about cooking. I'm passionate about other things. It's not just about yeah. rugby. But something you touched base on, which was quite awesome, you're talking about we experience pressure as rugby players. And I think that prepares us for a lot. You know, a lot of people tell me sometimes I'm crazy with my work ethic. You're like, how are you doing this? You're doing three, four sessions a day. You're doing coaching. You're doing this. I said, but I have a plan. I have a vision. I know where I want to go now. I have found my purpose. I think as athletes, when you retire, or rugby players especially, you, think, you tend to lose your identity. 
You tend to lose who you are, your purpose. You touch base on that. And funny story, before COVID, I had this event, team building, doing Zoo here in France. So um, that was quite exciting. And when I got there, there was about 90 people. So, right, originally they told us about 80, and then they said 90. Okay, but we knew it was going to be a big crowd. But when we got to the place, the event, I said, oh, gee, we got a problem. Uh, the space is too small. We won't fit 90 people in there to do Zoo. Wow. I was like, and my, guy, and my, my, my colleague, one of the other coaches, he was stressing out, oh, gee, what are we going to do? We need to cancel. Like, hey, relax, breathe. We got this. But inside, I was like, my stomach was turning. I was like, oh, what the heck am I going to do? <laughs> and I just went there. I'm like, walked it out, taken the space. How many people can fit? I'm like, don't worry, we got this. We had 90 people in the small space pre-COVID. And it was amazing. And like, my, the one coach was like, oh, gee, I don't know if these people are going to get it. You know, it's, it's a French, uh, French crowd. So, you know, Anglo-Saxon people are different. South Africans are different. French people are different. Doesn't mean what's better. So... I was, I'm not going to lie to you, you do zoo as well. When you get everyone in circle, yeah. let's get a touch. I was like, I hope the people's going to move. <laughs> and, and the funny thing the was, yeah? I was going to say, the interesting thing there, though, is like, and I come across that a lot, and someone, someone always pointed out to me, like when you're worried about, remember, I think we take for granted a little bit as well what our expectations are. Yeah. Like I know it when I go and cook at people's houses, I expect everything to be absolutely perfect. Actually, uh, it's got to be right. That's got to be right. It's got to be spot on. It's got to be all look exactly the same. And da -da -da. But the reality is their expectation is not that. And yeah. you just need to chill out. <laughs> like you said, you, you, you planned your session and suddenly it's changed. It's like, oh my God, but, you know, <laughs> but, we just, you know, but we just will make it work, we'll make it yep. happen. And that's a, that's, a one, that's a wonderful, it's a wonderful way to yep. be. It's just, it, no, it, know, it's, it, it's fantastic. Uh, and and it's, it's the same, you know, coming back to, um, you know, when COVID hit and so on, you know, when I do like, I was like, how can I take my scrum coaching online? How am I going to go about that? You know, I attended seminars in the US. You know, I was sitting from like, 10 in the evening till six the next morning. <laughs> and, and I'm yeah. up the next day working, you know, doing that for three days straight. And people's like, why do you do that? I'm like, listen, I want to change. I want to do something different right now. This is what I want to do. I've identified how I'm going to get there. So now I need to go. And people say, oh, that's a lot of sacrifice. I said, no, it's not sacrifice. It's investment. You're investing in yourself. I hate it when people use the word sacrifice. The only time I use sacrifice is when I'm away from home a lot. I say my family sacrificing a lot when I'm not there. That's sacrifice. But when you are spending time, you are fully committed. And I always say this. Are you willing to do what is necessary? Are you willing to do what is necessary to achieve all I, goal? All I know is if you don't, if you don't change anything, why are you going to why do you think things are going to change if you don't change you've got to change something if you want to get a different output you've got to change something on the input and uh, or else it, and that's in all walks of life but a really good friend of mine who lives um, just down the road from me here is a South African and a passionate South African uh, like everything if it's got South Africa on it it's the best it's <laughs> he is so passionate it, 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 it incredible and some and i hope he never sees this because for me to say 
for me to say this, he'd love it. He talks all the time. He say, Phil, he talks to his kids and his father taught him, you are your, 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 your biggest investment. You, you are your biggest investment. You've got to invest in you. So when you talk about putting back in and sacrifice, you are your biggest investment. Keep investing in yourself because that's the most important thing. Not in a selfish way, not a big-headed way or a boasting way, but keep investing in yourself. Constantly learning, learning language, learning ideas, absorbing knowledge, because... 99% of stuff which I listen to, because my wife will say the same, Phil, why are you listening to that stuff? What, 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 what relevance has it got? But then there's a moment or there's someone in a conversation or people you meet, that's like, wow, that, what, a, what a fantastic idea. That's, 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 a, that's an awesome thought. I hadn't thought like that before. So you're constantly gaining knowledge. You've got to constantly evolve. I know, you know, I know we do zoo and, uh, I know Nathan Elberg is a is a crazy horse. I know he's a crazy horse, <laughs> but I listen to some of the things Nathan says, and, and a lot of it goes in. And then, you know, has it got relevance to me? I'm not quite so sure. But I remember the one day he talked about um, uh, the pebble or the stone constantly moving and rolling mm. because it stops and the, the moss gets on it and it stops. Yeah. And that and that's the same as us. We it doesn't matter how good, even as a as an elite professional at rugby every single day every week you're constantly tweaking looking trying to get better and you'll strive you're, and not, not not to kind of destroy with good and not getting just how good you were what you did but it's the same in the restaurant this morning everything's amazing and the food getting great reviews and and all, i've got no qualms i've got no issues at all but in the back of my mind i'm thinking right what you know what next menus foods what's trends what's going on what, what expectations of people what why are we not looking at that wines pairing food pairings events how can you keep people stimulated what can we what's next what's next and it's not to say to go away from what it is we're doing is not brilliant but it's constantly looking for those opportunities to be better yeah be better and be better and just show people because the one thing particularly with restaurant, and also the same same with Raging Bull, it's not about necessarily trying to be everything, but what I found from, from a customer-facing point of view, if you're seen, seen as a business or as a, as a person to be innovative, to be looking, and they can see that you're trying and see that you're, you're progressing, and they can see the journey that you're taking, they're with you. Yeah. They're with you. If you're sat there, doing nothing and going, oh, why is nothing changing? Why is no one buying my clothes? Why am I not getting any more gigs? What, we're not doing anything. You know, get off, get off your ass and get in the game. Now, one of the things, you know, uh, Phil, I just want to jump in there quickly. I just want to, because I don't want to, we still have a few things to cover. All right. And um, I just want to ask you quickly, and what you're saying is 100%. You just need to take that first step. And I like what you said, just listening. I do it a lot. Like um, I'm on this great application called Clubhouse and you've got these amazing yeah, people and constantly people are expecting me to speak. And sometimes they're quiet. They're like, oh, Coach G, you haven't said anything yet. I said, no, but I'm just listening. I'm making notes. I'm absorbing what you guys are saying because it's giving me ideas. So we are capable of learning every single day. So 
You know, Phil, but the, I, we need to acknowledge this right now because if we are listening to the way we speak, it and, and just confirms everything. Front row rugby players are the most intelligent rugby players in a rugby team. And I just want to make the statement that we should normally be the highest paid players in the team. So just even though you're tight I respect you. Even though you're tight I respect you a lot. But, you know, it's just showing, <laughs> just showing people that, you know, rugby players, you know, we can be so much more. And if you allow yourself to learn and actually absorb everything in while you're still playing and getting to connect with the right people, not just in the rugby world, but the people you cross paths with in rugby, you can learn so much. But I want to touch something, but obviously World Cup winner 2003. I get asked this question a lot about 2007, but 2003 World Cup, how did it feel winning that World Cup, you know? And it's, I know you get asked this a, a lot of times, but yeah, no, no, it's listen, it, it's it, it's scary to think what well, in a couple of years' time, you know, it's going to be twenty years, and that's the that's the scary bit. But I think you know that moment. I don't think you ever feel. I mean, if people say, "Oh, well, you knew you were going to win it," you knew you were going to win it. I think what people forget along the way is because people choose to remember what they want to remember. It was South Africa in the first game. It was tough. It was ferocious. I think a couple of Benny Cohen tries, Wilkinson, Wilkinson penalties, got through opening game, beat South Africa. We struggled against uh, Georgia, uh, the front row weighing about 6,000 tonnes. It was like trying to move <laughs> Grand House. We just, want, we just wanted to eat you. Um, but got, through, got, got through that. We then. Uh, Struggled against um, Namibia, wasn't great. Then we played against Samoa. We were losing um, that game after about 60 minutes, I think it was. And we just managed to scrape through that. Everyone, everyone still has this vision that you were you were awesome and playing well. You know, Wales, the quarterfinals, losing at halftime. And uh, I remember Clyde Woodward, Sir Clyde Woodward, coming in at halftime, and I, and I won't tell you what Martin Johnson said to him, but it was he didn't stay in the changing room very long, and in, and and sort of you know we went out second half and got the job done, you know semi-finals uh, against France, you know Wilkinson scrum penalty drive, used the French discipline, um, Serge Betson did us did us beautifully that weekend and gave us, a, you know, a lot of free points. Wilkinson dropped goals and then we managed to win the final by extra time. Wilkinson dropped goal. You know, it's such fine margins of of, of, of that winning and losing. But I think the, the, the moment for me, I mean, it makes me feel emotional sort of talking about it now. And, and sadly, it's probably one of the sad bits of rugby. I'm not, it might not be your view, but this is mine. I, I spent actually quite a lot of time packing those memories away because it makes me emotional mm. so you kind of want to keep them away because it, then it brings out all the other emotions well you know i, I remember uh, of, of all things you've taught what i felt like of course the the, the occasion and the moment but uh, you know i remember phoning my mum and but uh, she was the lady who drove me everywhere when i was 10 years old to trials and matches and sat in the car with a flask of soup and a rug around her to stay warm and 
up and down the country doing all you know before before Phil was ever any good before all this stuff happened and that conversation I had with my mum you know geez it was just the most incredible feeling I mean I, I, it makes me feel emotional now just talking about it and it was just amazing all the people which helped you along the way and you know that's that's the power of sport and then suddenly the, the actual night of winning it was all right but I mean it was just so late and stuff but then it's the following day and then it's the you know it was the the plane journey home to the UK where we just we were just walking up and down the plane with you know punters because we wouldn't have our own plane or anything you know just walking up and down the World Cup on the plane and then we arrived back at Heathrow and Heathrow was packed and uh, the thousands of people in the, in, the, in the airport and the security guards were saying, you can't go out there. I remember Martin Johnson going, yes, we bloody well are. <laughs> Walking in, cheers. And then the open top bus tour we had and going to 10 Bowling Street, going to a private party with the Queen and having our picture taken. And I know I'm a bit of a softy, a bit of an emotional guy, but it's, those are all the things which which you remember, and the same as, I can't explain it to people, like, because uh, uh, you, you don't see the guys that often, but when you when you meet one of those guys that, 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 you, that I was there, that we did that with, and even now talking about it, it makes the hair stand up on the back yeah. of the neck. And I can't, I don't mean it to, I don't want it to, it just happens, and it's just, it's that feeling of, you know, when you've done an achieve or played with somebody or with a team for so long that you just don't need to say anything and you just have this, um, the most amazing feeling and tingle that comes over you. It's just, you know, it's just sensational. It's just the, the most, you know, most incredible um, gift, I think, you, you, you know, for me that you could ever... You know, wish and it's something which well, I never dreamed of it to say I only ever dreamed of it. I, I, I never even I never even dreamt I'd play rugby for England. I never dreamt about that. That wasn't you know, I was 15 years old and all I wanted was the best dairy herd of cows in North Cornwall. That's all I wanted. As a 15 year old. <laughs> I think going and playing professional rugby and doing all the things that I did. So I genuinely can sit here and say that I've, I've had the privilege to be able to have done things which were just far beyond my wildest dreams that I thought I'd ever do. So, you know, it, it was incredible. You know, Phil, you know, a lot of people was also like, for a funny story, like everybody sees the World Cup final, you guys won it, it's great, amazing. You guys said you had challenges, each team has challenges before that. But it's a process that has been started way before. It's not just before that World Cup of the year, you know, with us, with Jake White, you know, three years before when we had team meetings you'd see a flash of the world cup trophy and you would just say nothing just continue and uh, and later years before he said guys you guys are going to the world cup you need to accept that that you have a responsibility so they started to imprint that in our in years before 2007 was there something specific that you guys did building up to that world cup you know the two or three years yeah, before yeah, I think for me, Catherine, it started, you know, back when I think in 2003, you know, I, I got capped in 1998. And um, so I wasn't, you know, 20, 21 years old as a tight head prop then was kind of unheard of, really. You know, it was, I was a young puppy and, you know, the raging bull, you know, the big <laughs> lad. And 
I thought I was I thought I was amazing. I thought I was brilliant. I <laughs> my but what a lot of people don't realise, my second cap for England was against Australia in Brisbane in 1998. And it was called the Tour of Hell. We lost 76 nil. Wow. And, I, and that was my second cap. And that was Johnny Wilkinson's first cap for England. We then had two tests in New Zealand, 50 odd points to then 30 odd points to nothing. We were voted worst international team of all time ever to have left the UK shores, an embarrassment to, 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 our, to our nations. We finished off in South Africa in Cape Town. This was the end of a five week tour. And all I remember was being on the plane and we were flying, I was via Hong Kong. And I remember looking at the world map and thinking, we're actually closest to home now. And then it's like, no, we've got to go back to South Africa. <laughs> I remember listening to that. But, but the reality was that final game was 18-0 or 20-0 or 23. So in comparison to where we started, actually, we'd improved massively on that tour. But my point was, I came back from that tour, and I, and I believe this is where we can all relate to. You've got a couple of choices. You can either do something or you can just be happy to be really well-known, really well-paid, and it'll all blow over in a few months' time, and then we'll all be legends again. And I remember then thinking, right, and the pain and the hurt in me and the embarrassment in me, and then it was about looking at, so with Clyde Woodward then, because that was Clyde's first tour, suddenly we started looking at best practice, and, and, and it sounds simple, what does good look like? What, what are the best in the world doing? Wow. And then the realisation of actually how far off you as an individual are in comparison to what good looks like. So then, it, then it's sort of, you start raising your bar and sort of go, right, what am I going to do about it? And that, that if anything, was, was, was the start of that process. And the reality was, yes, it was 1998. It was you know, five years before, and it wasn't about saying, well, I'm going to go and win Rugby World Cup 2003. It was about me as an individual saying, this is one of my biggest frustrations even today. I got selected in World 15s by coaches from South Africa, New Zealand and Australia. I feel more proud about that than I do about so much other stuff because <laughs> I wanted, but I, but I wanted to, to, to be the best that I could be. And I wanted to be the best in the world. And that sounds a weird thing to say, but that's what I wanted. You know, I wanted to be the best. You know, was I the best? We can sit and argue about it to the cows come up. I was, I was. You were good. decent, brother. You were decent, man. You were decent. Well, yeah, exactly. I was <laughs> decent. So, but, but I think, it, but it's the expectations. It's what you want from you. So I think yeah. when you talk about it, certainly that moment for me as an individual, and then probably for me, it was after the 99 Rugby World Cup which I played in, which kind of no one really knew that the World Cup was even on, to be honest, I'm looking back. And I remember being on the pitch uh, in, in Paris, losing to South Africa in the quarterfinals and um, playing against my hero in Oz Durant. And uh, it was an incredible experience and watching five drop goals go over the top of my head from Yanni De Beer. And uh, I remember thinking, right, and once that, once that tournament was <laughs> over, I just remember thinking, this is just not good enough. We've got to do something about this. And that, and that was another little moment for me. So kind of a little combination of a couple. Yeah. But the realisation, first and foremost, is, 
you know what? I, and I say this to people all the time and think of good. Actually, what does good look like? Yeah. Don't be fooled by that. That's not, not, not to say that I think you're not good, but actually analyse and look and find out what good looks like. Yeah. Be honest with yourself. Yeah. What does good look like? And look at the data, look at the stats, look at the facts, and then compare yourself. Compare yourself. Where can you get to? Where can you get to? What is it? And we had the silly things like that's my fridge, my <laughs> fridge door there. We used to have, we used to have, um, and it's crazy. You know, it sounds like nothing. I don't want to freak you out or anything, but we had things like you know world class, um, um, international, and go home. And it was little reminders everywhere about what. In a lot of it was you know food, your nutrition, your yeah. your. your your BMIs, your recovery, the constant reminders about world, world class, high performing. What does good look like? And if you ever fell into the band, the red band, it was go home. That's pretty much what it was. You, you, you go home. End of. So it's funny, isn't it? How little things like that stay, you know, stay, you know, stay with you. No, it's it's amazing. You know, like just listening to you takes me back to. 2009 when i got smashed in the scrum by castro giovanni lester tigers <laughs> I, I, went yeah. back, I went back all day it was so bad i couldn't even go home yeah. for two weeks media was criticizing my dad said to me sanga visit your friends in the uk <laughs> and france don't yeah. come back so i was just like backpacking uh in the uk i went to manchester i was in burnley I think I was hiding out in Burnley for uh, about a good few days. My good man, Pete Aikman. And, uh, <coughs> my routine was I would just go to the local pub at lunchtime, mingle with the locals. He'd and, go back to hide. work, I'd trade his, <laughs> his flat, and I'd go back the evening. And uh, I was actually slow clapped out of the pub, the local pub in Burnley once, you know. So um, it, was, it, was, it was awesome. But there came that point, you know, I was experiencing so much hurt. Not even so much embarrassment, but so much hurt, you know. And I was hard on myself. I'm like, do I deserve to be at this level, you know? And like you just talked about, what is good? And like, am I good enough? And I just realized, you know what? I have. I'm not good enough. I have the ability to be great. And that's what I want to be great. That was the mindset I took in. And then I did the hard thing, going looking at that footage, looking at that scrum. What was yeah. going wrong? And then I realized, you know, I've got some work to do. I've got some work to do. And I went the hard road. I went back to South Africa. I made a decision. It's now or never. People were telling me to quit in 2009. I retired in 2017. But then I trained like a beast. I was doing three to four extra sessions in the mornings. I was training days after games. I was on a mission. And that year I was elected player of the year. But it just ties in. It's not about showcasing what I did, but just ties in what you say. Like, if you want it, you need to go for it. You need to change. You need to evolve. Yeah. But in the next, just quickly now, because our time's going to be running out soon, um, Paul. In the next month, we're going to be sworn enemies, my man. All right. I respect you a lot. All right. We've got the British and Irish Lions coming to South Africa. You know, two questions. What did it feel like playing for the British and Irish Lions? And what can we expect in uh, this next month coming? Well, listen, it, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful, wonderful recipe, isn't it? We've got the British and Irish Lions going to play the world champions in their own country. The, 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 the slight sadness, the slight tinge of sadness is with 
fans or what 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 that looks like. But the actual event, you know, I, I was talking to someone about it yesterday. But I, of all the times I wish I could still play, probably now is the time. It's it's extra emotional for me because. I didn't know at the time, but actually my last international game of rugby was for the Lions in 2009 when I walked off the, the field in the final final, the third and final test. Uh, I got a standing ovation, uh, which was just amazing because, I, you know, regardless of us being enemies of, mm. of, of being sport, <laughs> the one thing that the Sappers are always very good at is being respectful. And yeah. they knew it was my last game and knew I was never going to play for the Lions again. Um, but I think we're just in for a real treat. I think it'll be it'll be spectacular. I think of all things to bring people together, to give people hope, to give people a sense of emotion, to bring countries together through that game of sport, that confrontation, that emotion. And uh, you know, I grew up watching. Uh, the Lions and my earliest Lions tour I remember properly was probably the 89 um, which was in Australia but at the time in 97 when the Lions went I remember watching that tour and being just totally blown away by by the games by what happened and yes I was at the age where I was just getting into I was playing a bit of senior rugby and I was watching guys playing for the Lions who I was playing against for club, and it was just awesome. And, the, and I tell you that the feeling that you get when you put the Lions jersey on is just bloody magical. You know, it's just the most special, just the most special thing. But also, I think particularly from a forwards point of view, because I have never. I always say, like people say, oh, I can play rugby. I can do this. I can do. People say they can do, they can scrummage, or they can, they can. They're tough people. Play a test match against the Springboks in South Africa, and I'll tell you whether you are tough or not, because you will not come up against a more physical, intimidating group or game or any, anywhere in the world. All Blacks, even even France in in, in Paris, probably mm. might come close sometimes nothing compares to playing the Springboks in South Africa. It is an awesome machine. And I'll tell you what it will find out. Forget about processes. Now, so I'm going to go against everything that I've said. <laughs> forget processes. Forget about binds. Forget about foot placements. You will, <laughs> what you do need to find out and what you do need to make sure is you've packed that one in there and it's firing on all cylinders because I tell you, it is about emotion, aggression and total and utter commitment and just being, looking down the barrel with a gun and going, yes, sunshine, I'm here for you. And that's what, that's what playing against South Africa is about and that I bloody love. Stop it, man. You're giving me goosebumps, man. I'm yeah. getting all emotional. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. I just had a... Uh, the first time I got goosebumps on my head. I normally get them on my arms, but I had it on my head as well. Oh, man. You're just taking me back. What are you saying? I always tell a lot of players, you know, when it comes to the scrum, we, we get so focused. Yes, details are important. As a coach, is important for me. But yeah. at the end of the day, it just comes to like, just that pure hunger. If you've got a heart... If you've got that willingness to 
really inflict pain, like Bucky's boss put us used to Bucky boy Bucky's used to say, inflict pain. You know, then total, total and utter commitment. Straight, exactly, exactly. Total and utter commitment. It's like I used to get frustrated at the end of my career, where you know, and I'm not, I was probably a little bit. Uh, I like process, but I'm probably a little bit more the other way. So we used to sit down after a game, line out ninety-two percent success rate. So anywhere between eighty, whatever it was, and you knew that you were going to win over many games. So, so scrum success rate was eighty-eight point eight four percent. Um, line uh, line speed was such and such, which was eighty three point nine percent. Scrum defense, the whatever percent. And you go, guys, we've lost the bloody game. Well, I know, but the line out was ninety two point four. Scrum was. <laughs> we've lost the bloody game. And people people hide behind process. You know, oh. process process. We all need process, and it's a very important thing. I'm not saying it's not. It, it, of course, it is, but. Don't use it as somewhere to hide. And there are lots yeah. of coaches, there are lots of leaders, there are lots of MDs, CEOs, Excel coaches who, who, who hide, who, yeah. who hide behind process. Yeah. I, I call them Excel coaches. They are with spreadsheets, key performance yeah. indicators, all those type of yeah. things. spreadsheet. <laughs> I want to finish with one last question. You know, um, you know, the game of rugby has changed. You know, like you've been retired for a long time, myself as well. And, you know, the scrum has evolved. You know, what advice would you give out to props? And then you just touched based on it now, commitment and so on. But if you could give a few tips right now to front row players in the modern game, you know, what should they be focusing on? Uh, for me, I'd, I'd be focusing on the whole game, focus on the skills. You know, when I broke onto the scene, it was very much a prop. I wasn't supposed to do the things which I did, and I could never understand why I wasn't allowed to do that. Well, you're a prop. Well, you know, it doesn't work like that anymore. The game has changed now, I know. But, but I would say look, look at the whole game. Look at your skill sets and what you want to get out of it. Listen. Absorb advice. Listen to to, to to people, but find. I always talk to people about find a find find something that connects with you, and whether that's a player or a coach or or or, or a mechanism or or an ethos or whatever that is, and go with it and 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 and, and stick to it. And yes, innovate and tinker, but actually be you with it don't if i listen to everyone that told me that i couldn't or that you can't do this you can't do that it just it's, it's soul destroying find I, I used to enjoy watching certain players and certain ways of wanting to play and go then make a statement and go that's what i'm going to do and the, the, the great thing now about for, for, for young girls and boys who are who are setting out in the sport there is so much information out there now. There's so much you can absorb and learn, which is fantastic. But it can also cloud, uh, you know, what you know, your own identity. The reason that I believe I was so successful is because I was me, and 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 that spirit, that passion, the the, the willingness it wasn't like being perfect, but like using that to. To, 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 to take into the game and be you and to be the very best that you can be and 
and constantly look and analyze and, and, and always looking for continual improvement. Think about that, that stone, that pebble that's constantly moving, not letting that moss grow <laughs> and get going stuck. You're just constantly moving like that all the time, and incremental steps. You think about up here, brilliant. Bring it back down here and just think step after step after step after step after step after step. And you get bigger and you get stronger. You get more competent. You're learning new skills. You're absorbing information. You're taking it all in. You're taking the best bits. You're chucking the other bits away and just becoming a better athlete, but a better human being with that. You know, a better human being with that. Yes, rugby, rugby, rugby. But actually you, your life, you as a human, what it is you stand for, your whole life. Because with the wealth of your life, the bigger the wealth and, and the, the, the happier that wealth is, the better rugby player you will be. Ah, that's Probably awesome. not anybody, but, but please think on a wider <laughs> scale. Even, but even when I played as an elite pro, I liked, I, I, I believe that having a, a positive distraction is a good thing. Yeah. Add other things in your life that add value to what it is you do. Yeah. That's that. That'd be. I stole that, by the way. Positive distraction. I've been using that the word the last weeks. I love that, and I think it's so important. And. Uh, you know, Phil, I just like to thank you for taking the time. It was so much. I feel we could have gone on for another two hours, but oh, you're a man, busy I man as well. I could talk for hours. <laughs> <laughs> but I will definitely like to invite you back on, on the second episode to to deep dive into your transition after rugby because you know you um, you got your brand raging bull, one master shift, which was amazing. Which there are so many layers to you, brother, which I think so many people out there, not just rugby players, can benefit from and uh, we'll definitely deep dive into that in the next next episode but my man it was unbelievable as awesome you know this is the second time we've gone on a call which is quite cool and uh, just to we've been playing against each other before but to connect like this is just unbelievable i think that's also the great thing about what we experienced in this last year just the value of connecting with people people that you've played against uh, play people that you've played with you know, I've made the effort of reconnecting with all my teammates uh, back in the day, just checking in how you're doing. And man, I just want to say everything that you're doing is so inspirational. And is there anywhere we can direct the audience if they want to get in touch with you or visit your restaurant and, or your, your yeah, well, website, is, uh, Raging Bull? Yeah, ragingbull.co.uk is the brand and number three restaurants, that famous number three. So it's number three restaurants in Cheltenham, but Follow me on Insta, Phil Vickery Three. If you want to see what I'm up to or get in contact, that's that's the easiest way to get hold of me. Uh, awesome. Okay, so everybody, I'll be adding all those website links in the description of this podcast. But Phil, it was unbelievable, man. I can listen to you all day. Lots of respect for your career, and even more of a respect for the human being that you are. Really appreciate you, brother. Get attached. Boom. Wow, what an amazing episode with Phil Vickery. What a legend. Right, guys, so uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it, leave a review, and take a screenshot and share it on social media. I would really appreciate it. So to all the front row rugby players, as you know, I share a lot of tools on social media to dominate the scrum. If you want to get access to some of my free tools, just DM me these words on Instagram, 
dominate the engage and i will send you some drills which you can do in your own time and if you're a rugby player and you want to increase your range of motion or mobility just send me a dm zoo rugby and i would happily send you some great exercises thanks again for supporting my podcast coach g transforming athletes and purpose-driven people looking forward to the next episode get a touch